0: Listening Dog Media. This podcast
1: is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule, we get it, is brought to you by Continental Tires. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Offside Rule, we get it, supported by Continental Tires, getting you to the game safely, getting you to the end of the podcast safely. Hopefully myself, Kate Borsay, I'm joined by Lindsay Hooper, as ever. Hi,
0: Linz. Now, usually I would be full of confidence that I would get to the end of the podcast safely. Why not? But considering our guest is Kate Partridge, I might not. <laughs> you might not get to the end of the
1: podcast without getting a word in edgeways because Kate Partridge joins us. <laughs> The lady with a beaming smile
2: and a large gob. Hi, <laughs> Hi, Kate. Well, thank you very much. What an entree. I normally get to talk sport and Mickey Quinn calling me Katie Pheasant or a Katie Peacock or Katie Pigeon. And now it's Kate Partridge and now I've got the big gob. Well, I can only get better, can't I? She loves the football opinion, you know, and that is
1: a brilliant prerequisite for this podcast. All three broadcasters really mulling over some of the headlines from this week, ladies, in this episode 27. Let's tell you what's coming up on today's show. Another week, another bizarre thing from Vincent Tan. We love the Cardiff City owner for this. He said that his players uh, need to be more like ugly men walking around with beautiful wives. I'll explain why later on, if you're thinking, what? Because that's what I did when I read that headline. Top fortune telling. It's time to look at the top four. It's inevitable, isn't it, when we've had what could be described as a pivotal weekend in the Premier League. What's going to happen next? Is the table going to stay the same, or are we going to see movement there? Are there any surprise contenders to enter into that top four? We'll be asking both Lindsay and Kate that a little bit later on. First up, ladies, loved up or let down? The female take on football. It's post-Valentine's Day. I hope we've all uh, managed to clear those stack of cards away, battling them away as we digest a Valentine's weekend. And it's only appropriate, really, that we talk about uh, loved-up things in football and perhaps a couple of fallings out as well. So let's keep love in the air. Um, give me a couple of examples, if you can, of who's been enjoying a football-loving this season and whether anyone's fallen out of love. Let's start with Lindsay.
0: There have been some brilliant lovings. I'm going to go down the loving theme more because even though my doorstep was a little bare underneath the letterbox... <laughs> I'm a believer and I'm a true romantic so I'm going to go with a couple that you might or might not have spotted I'm going to start off with a Bayern Munich duo who gradually over the course of the season I think they might be falling for each other (laughs) it's quite an aspersion I'm putting out there give a little bit of attention to Thomas Muller and Arturo Vidal when you see them together there's actually a video of them in training Muller's actually giving uh, the Chilean midfielder A massage and he starts off on his shoulders.
1: Hello. So, this is
0: just like every sentence of this is just sounding more and more suspect. Well, it does go like that. And um, this massage, I'm quite jealous actually. I need some of this in my life. It starts off with the shoulders, it ends with some fingertips on the head. Oh, yeah. Hello. Yeah. You watch this and it's been brewing over some periods of time. Now, I'm trying to think of another couple within the Premier League, who could maybe rival this bromance, because that's what we're going to call it, isn't it? Well, who I think could perhaps rival this love in between Muller and Vidal is an Arsenal pair. Mesut Ozil and Matthew Flamini they are the like best mates in the club they're the ones that hang out together they have massages together I'm talking bringing massages <laughs> again but this is to do with physio um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, they come into the club together sometimes I think there's even a video where Theo Walcott or Alex Oxlade chamberlain one of them says uh, maybe they even live together because they just spend so much time together Morgan Wise that is how they were described, Morecambe and Wise. And it's all on Arsenal TV. They've interviewed lots of players about it and they just can't get enough. I think it was Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain that said that um, Flamini made a line for Oursley. It's like he wanted him to be his mate from the moment he arrived at the club and they're now inseparable. So I think perhaps they rival it. If you want a couple of lovins, those are mine for this
2: season. Well, thank you, Lindsay. So you've looked at bromances, haven't you? Sort of a romance between players. I'm going to look at a couple of topics that are probably a bit more sort of off the wall and one of them has to be I don't know if you saw it, Memphis Depay and the magic jacket. (laughs) Now have you seen this particular story? Memphis Depay to show the love that he has for his girlfriend Laurie Harvey decided that he was going to get a bomber jacket and have her picture put on the back and then on Instagram show a picture of the two of them with the back of his jacket and her sort of peeping over the corner of his shoulder with lovely red lipstick on saying I love you baby, happy Valentine's Day. And you just think to yourself that's a lovely thing to do, isn't it? No. But it, no. But it's also the fact that if you look at the drawing, I wouldn't have said it was perhaps a grade A in artwork. <laughs> and I would also have said perhaps not the best thing to do on Instagram, having just been flattened, I think, by Sunderland and uh, not perhaps making a Valentine's Day for your fans. It might have been a really lovely thing to do for your girlfriend, but I think the best thing, like all footballers, is to stay off social media, particularly yeah. with something with such, a, let's say, unusual artwork. So are you saying this is a love-in or a love-out? I'd say it's a love-in for them and I'd say it's a definite love-out for everybody else. I think that if you are going to do something that is particularly romantic, I'd probably do something neutral and gestures to all of your fans to say thank you for all your love and support for the whole of the season. And if you are going to make a general tweet or Instagram comment, then perhaps don't take advice from Jolien Lescott, (laughs) who somehow manages to defy the odds of biology, technology, and I think certain laws and certain moral codes as well, by managing to send a tweet while he was driving. Now, if you haven't seen this, it's a tweet he sent out of a rather expensive car. I think it was a Mercedes, wasn't it, that he managed to accidentally, so he says, tweet (laughs) while he was driving along after Aston Villa had just been completely thrashed by Liverpool And the problem was, by sending this tweet, all the fans were very sympathetic. He sent out a Mercedes, and in reply, he got pictures of a Trabant. (laughs) He got the pictures of an Austin Maxi. He got a battered Mini with his mate saying, sorry, mate, just driving. But what I'd just like to say is that, bringing it back to a romantic theme, if Jolien Lescott can manage to send a tweet from his pocket while he's driving, Mrs Lescott must be a very happy (laughs) woman. (laughs) Goodness. The things that man can do with his ha- with his hands in his pockets. I'd like him to peel me an orange. Thank you very much, Jerry, and over and out. That's uh, a great
1: argument as to why we should get you on this podcast more often, Kate, or not, as the case may be. Thank you very much, Kate. How about the famous adage that you should never go back to your ex? Well, this may be a lesson for Beppe Iaccini, Palermo's new manager. New manager, by the way, uh, just three months after getting the boot from the job the first time round. He's back after three months, basically between the 10th of November and the 15th of February. The Sirias side have brought in four other bosses to replace the departed Iaccini before they invited him back again. The owner of the club, Maurizio Zamperini, asked Palermo fans for forgiveness after this month of chaos, he said. Adding that uh, the decisions to get so many new managers in and then out again was uh, a wrong evaluation and misunderstanding of Iachini. So he's basically saying, I made a bit of a balls up,
0: but he's back now. I'm going to finish with one more. And this is the best one, I think, possibly going forwards for women's football. And it's a loving between Harper Beckham and the game football. Victoria Beckham, actually, um, I think that might have been on social media, but she revealed somehow that her daughter loves the beautiful game and that she's distraught about it, obviously wants her to be massively into fashion and realises, actually, no, she's taken after Daddy. I also hope she's got her father's skills, because if she does, and she really does fall in love with football, it will be the best advert for the women's game that there could ever be. Let me just give a large round of applause or
1: not to Dutch side RKC Walwick, or Volvik, or however you pronounce them, <laughs> who decided it was a great idea to replace their usual child mascots with lingerie models on Valentine's Day. Oh, Have you yes. seen this? RKC sit 19th, last in the Dutch second tier, clearly given up on all hope of entertaining football. So instead it was time to entertain the fans with some butt cheeks. Follow us on Twitter at offside offside rule Pod and like our page on Facebook. Simply type in The Offside, offside Rule We get in. get in. There's only one of us. Let's move on to our second topic now, top fortune telling. Do you like the pun, fortune telling? I think I might have used it before. So I'm going to ask you to put your predictive prowess to the test, please. And tell me if you can call the final four come at the end of the season. Let's tell you where we are right now, especially if you are listening to this some weeks since. And I know sometimes people do check in with this podcast and uh, catch up all at once. So at the moment, Leicester are top on 53 points, followed by Spurs and Arsenal, both on 51 points each, and then sitting four points further back in fourth, Manchester to City. We've discussed that it's been a pivotal weekend in the Premier League. So it's time for me to ask you ladies what you think is going to happen, if anything, with those positions by the end of the season. Let's start with Leicester, who are top. No other competitions to worry about. Mm -hmm. Kate, does this mean that they're footloose, fancy free and going to
2: stay where they are at the top? I've weighed up my own particular stats and I've listened to all the pundits and I've gone through every possible psychic, mystic and everything else outside of Leicester. But I have to say, I do think Leicester will do it because it's theirs to throw away. I think because they have the fewest games, they don't have any other cup competitions to worry about. They don't have to worry about Europe. They don't have to worry about any particular consequences two-point lead even though they don't score quite so many goals I think it's theirs to throw away because the other teams have a lot riding on what they're doing elsewhere and also I think the key point here is they've been tipped by football manager and I think football manager always manages to tip the winner over the past few seasons so I've got to say I think it's Leicester's to throw away and I think it would be the end of a a great fairy tale season and probably the most unpredictable and interesting season that's been for ages. I'm going to wade in with an outlandish bet right now. Right. OK, so everyone would have said, when we started at the season,
0: what were the ridiculous odds for Leicester to win the Premier League? 5,000 to 1 before the season started. What were the ridiculous odds for Jamie Vardy to be top goalscorer? Something ridiculous as well? Like 250 to 1, maybe even 500 to 1, something like that. Ridiculous. Right now, I'm saying on this podcast, Leicester City fans aren't going to love me for this. I'm saying Leicester City, I think you're right, they're in the driving seat. They could win the Premier League and next season they could get relegated. Mm. That's how it could go, because they will get raided. They'll have this beautiful season and we've all loved it. I've absolutely been on the bandwagon of wanting them to win. Um we love an underdog, we always have done. So yes, I'd love to see it, but the reality check, and if anyone's feeling brave enough now, lightning won't strike twice. The leagues are gonna get even harder and it's just an interesting one to see what the odds for that would be. And part of my point there for mentioning this, I'm not saying that it's it's a bet that I'm going to go down. Um, I don't like doing those sorts of bets, to be quite honest. But just because we've heard a lot about it in press, of, of how wild it was to think of them even winning. It's because of something you said as well about the fact that they haven't got distractions this season with Europe. But next season, they're going to have Europe. They're going to have the journeys. They're going to have more fixtures just think about that for next season as well but let's get back to topic
1: Lindsay Hooper heeding a warning out there back on topic though Leicester have certainly got the belief to do it until the end of the season they're not under the radar anymore though so they are much more in the public eye now there's much more expectation on them and fans are going to be disappointed some of them if they don't do it they also don't have out and out class throughout the whole depth of their squad so they are going to rely on those players that they rely on at the moment Mares and Vardy it isn't as if those players haven't been without slight injury concerns as 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 well isn't there so Look, can the squad hold on until the end of the season? Not only that, although they've only lost three Premier League games this season so far, two of those have come against Arsenal. So, how do we
2: fancy Arsenal? I've got Arsenal tipped as coming second. And the reason I say that is because I looked at the pros and cons for, for all the teams. That's how I did my own particular odds, pros and cons. And with the pros, I've got Arsenal three going against them and four going for them. They had a psychological victory over Leicester. And manager Arsene Wenger, unlike Claudio Ranieri, who's never won a league anywhere else, I think the nearest he's come is League 2 while well, he was with Monaco. Arsene Wenger has experience of winning the league. And they also play at home to all but relegated Aston Villa on the final day of the season, whereas all the other teams play against some other team that has thing riding on it, whereas Aston Villa are effectively relegated. However, we have to look at the other odds as well. They have more games in the Cup and Champions League than Leicester. They have the lowest goal difference, which I know OK, 12, 13 plus games to go isn't the big deal, but it does indicate where the trends are coming from. They have to play Tottenham in a title six pointer and they play their penultimate game at City as well. And that can have a big bearing. Leicester don't have to play any sort of bigger features. The highest ranked team I think they have to play is Manchester United in the meantime. Arsenal have to play these big Games. And they also have to play London derbies. And London derbies, I think, will be a key factor for Tottenham as well. And I think by effectively cancelling each other out, Arsenal, in effect, they've got the kind of that beautiful sort of uber football. But bear in mind, they've also got to play Barcelona. They've got the cup games. I think they are the sort of the quality side there and thereabouts mm. to go with all the history and pedigree to go there. I think they will fall just short. Arsenal are playing better than they have done
1: in the last few seasons. They've kept five clean sheets in their last eight Premier League games as well, Lindsay. They've come out of that horrible patch and now they're flying. You could argue that if Leicester stutter, Arsenal are right there waiting in the wings. But will the pressure get to them again? They've shown us, haven't they, that for the last two seasons they've been able to walk away with a trophy, an FA Cup. So is now
0: this season the time that they do the big one? They famously have a good end to the season, They usually have a good run-in through April and May if you go back in previous seasons. And one of the things that I think Arsene Wenger would point out more than anything at the moment is that he's got players returning from injury, not players that are going out with injury, which, of course, that can change in a heartbeat. But at the moment, I would say all the signs are very positive for Arsenal. I think that was a huge psychological victory. I think having Danny Welbeck, even though I don't think he might be back to full fitness yet... Goals breed goals sometimes, don't they? They make you believe and they give you that confidence and that edge. And I can see him getting a few more for Arsenal going into this this final run-in as well. So you look at the strikers. If we were doing a comparison, I would say Leicester edge it on goals. I think Leicester will score more than Arsenal will, actually, in these final games. And you look at the fixtures as well. And because of things like a tougher run-in maybe for Arsenal compared to Leicester, when you consider the City game and you consider the North London derby. Okazaki, I love him. Marez, Vardy they don't show any signs of not scoring goals in these games they don't I think they're going to continue to do that but from an Arsenal point of view they may just have that squad depth there could be an injury within Leicester that could just derail things one of the things that they've done is have that consistent 11 Mm. and Claudio Ranieri has gone with it gone with it can you go all the way to the end of the season with it Wenger knows that he doesn't need to. Ranieri does need to. And that's a huge thing riding on it. Would it be Spurs or Arsenal who would surpass them? And at the moment, I would say that Spurs have got the momentum and they have less pressure, which is also fundamental because it will be deemed an unsuccessful season if Arsenal do not take advantage of everything that's gone on this season to win the league. Mm. It was their best opportunity to do it. Wenger knows that. The players know that Pochettino has a completely different circumstance at Spurs. We saw a couple of seasons ago how
1: Liverpool managed to derail themselves towards the end of the season, so it's certainly possible. Um, By the way, this weekend, a good weekend if you're Roy Hodgson. Some great goals. Kane and Vardy both hitting the back of the net, as did Danny Welbeck and Daniel Sturridge as well. So things look good from an England point of view. Let's talk Manchester City quickly, and then I want to just return to Tottenham and really look at whether they are capable of springing a surprise, having quietly come about this title chase uh, on the back foot. Manchester City, a team full of talent, but they're off the pace, aren't they? But they do have the quality there to win out and it may take a game or two some significant results for them to turn their season around or was the announcement that Pep Guardiola was going to take over at the end of the season enough to
2: derail their title chase completely KP? I've got to say it's an interesting one because at the beginning of the season we would have probably said it was between Chelsea and Manchester City as to who was going to win the title Chelsea spectacularly imploded which effectively gave Manchester City a clear shot at it and Manchester City as we know are still in with all four trophies and the announcement by I think was a very shrewd announcement whichever way you look at the situation at City with Pellegrini's announcement by saying that Guardiola was coming in it was if he decided it brilliant it was hello by the way somebody else is coming in I'm the manager that has a team within with all four trophies by the way I think I I'm quite, I'm quite good, actually, if you'd like to take me, line me up by the end of the season. I'm for hire, thank you very much. But yes, could it spectacularly backfire? Well, it seems to be, doesn't it? They are in four trophies and they've more games to play than any other team in the top four. And I think that could obviously have an effect. And as we've seen, the impact of injuries on their team has been particularly spectacular when we look at Vincent Company and what that's done for the team. And they could blow all four chances, theoretically, the week that's sort of effectively coming up, isn't it? Because they've got the European games as well. Mm. They've got to play a League Cup final they've got a they've got an FA Cup game to play and also they've got somewhere along the line to fit in a fixture against Newcastle that's got to be postponed somewhere and in the meantime I think Leicester are having, what is it, a bit of a rest? So as I said, the injuries with company that's obviously had a big impact, could, could still be a factor. They've got to play relegation-threatened Swansea on the final day as well. So again, they're another team that's having to play a team with something on it which could have a bearing. They've also got to play Manchester United, they've got to play Arsenal in the penultimate game. They've lost seven games more than any other team in the top four if we're looking at the top four teams so far and I think we're all decided that the top four is looking pretty much as the top four is going to finish and the Guardiola announcement has clearly seemed to have had an effect enormous it seems like a psychological down tools mm. even if it's not the case it would seem to anybody that's watching it neutral and fan.
0: Manchester City have one big glaring problem and that is if Vincent company is absent then they will leak goals and that will not win you a title because a title is an endurance race. So I take them out of the Premier League and I think, yes, they'll win silverware. I think Pellegrini will go away with something. But he knows that that will have a better shot in one of the the cup competitions or if he can impress in Europe. And it's looking more favourable for Manchester City in the Champions League than it is for, say, Arsenal, who've got Barcelona.
1: Let's talk Spurs to round this off. And I know that I want to take your top four predictions after this. Spurs' best defensive record in the Premier League, conceding only 20. It would be a massive turnaround in Spurs' fortune. They never, ever would have imagined that this would have happened. They've clearly got a very influential manager and he's receiving so many plaudits now Is Poch. Could Spurs fans have the same belief? Can they do it? A surprise contender. Fitness, belief, they actually look like they they could play football every day of the
0: week at the moment. Yeah, I have to say that the fixture list, the heavy cluttered fixture list, the the trips, because they're not as far in Europe as they have been previously, they don't concern me. I tell you what it comes down to for me. I believe to win the title, not only do you have to have a fairly solid defence, but you need to have two goal scorers. Don't rely on one. Can't just be Harry Kane. You need two strikers who are on form who will get you goals. And at the moment, there is only one team that fits that bill and that's Leicester City with Mares and Vardy. And for me, Leicester, as long as they remain fit, are in with the biggest shout to win the title. I think behind narrowly will be Arsenal. I think Spurs will finish in third and I think Manchester City will finish fourth. KP, do you agree?
2: Lindsay, for once... We actually agree. I would say, yes, Leicester, then Arsenal, then Tottenham, then Manchester City for all the reasons that we said before. I think you're right in the fact that Spurs are the form team. I think the things that sort of swing it for me that could go against them is the Europa League. They're playing Fiorentina and Fiorentina are third in Serie A and they're a very good team and of course obviously that could end that particular run there. But if it doesn't, there are more games in the Europa League than the other European competitions. Spurs could progress, they'd have more games. They have a high pressing game and that can take its toll on fitness and also injuries. As Lindsay said, you've got Kane scoring the goals but should anything happen to him? Okay, let's look at some of the other players. Deli Alli, fantastic. Some of the goals he scored and that's a Chadley's goal got overlooked, didn't it? Because Ericsson. of the brilliance. Exactly, for Eriksen. They've got a fantastic squad. They all play play. play together as a team. They've got to play Arsenal. I think that is the key game. That could be the one that swings it and decides second and third. So on those bases, I'd say, yes, Leicester, Arsenal, Tottenham and Manchester City. I'm going to have to wrap this up, but I'm going to wrap
1: it up with my top four. Arsenal, Spurs, Leicester, Manchester City. There we go. Raised eyebrows. I think it's Arsenal's time. I think Spurs will stay fighting and will stay with those good results, but they won't quite catch Arsenal, who I think now more than ever have the belief and the confidence to do it. Leicester, I agree. They've got two great scorers there, but if something happens to one of them, they are done for. There's not enough in that team to support two or even one injury. So... I'm putting Arsenal at the top, followed by Spurs, Leicester and City. I'm, of course, open to being wrong, but there we go.
2: Hi, I'm Paul Merson, and you're
0: listening to the Offside Rule Podcast.
1: Cardiff City's owner Vincent Tan always good for a bizarre thing to say isn't he he tried to fire up his struggling players with a bit of a pep talk last week urging them to be more like ugly men walking around with beautiful wives don't understand I didn't until I read the quote here goes Uh, he said I told them that, that they've got to start shooting have you seen ugly men walking around with a very beautiful wife well that's because they've asked 30, 40, 50 times before getting a yes the more you try Tan says the more
0: success you'll have so he basically wants more attempts on goal i think looking around as i as i walk through london i think he's onto something i think it is a numbers game so let's have a look at some
1: bizarre team talks victory speeches whatever you've heard from the mouths of managers and owners that's made you go what and did it work KB.
2: I've got to say, you're all going to hate me because I'm going to go with the classic. And you're all going to say, oh, please, not the Phil Brown speech. But I am going to go with a Boxing Day Phil Brown speech for Hull City when they're at Manchester City. And I know what you're going to say. We've seen it all before. But the thing I really, really loved about this particular pep talk that failed were the implications, ramifications and consequences. At the time, or as The Telegraph later said, the day Phil Brown turned into David Brent. Hull City were losing 4-0 at half-time. Phil Brown keeps his Hull City team on the pitch. But at the time, what was interesting was Hull were in the top six. City were in the bottom three under Mark Hughes. Did it work? Did it fairy cakes? Craig Fagan got a goal for Hull, but then Stephen Ireland scored for Manchester City and they won 5-1. Man City went out of the relegation zone and ended up finishing 10th. Hull ended up finishing 17th and stayed up on the final day of the season. Mm -hmm. As pep talks go to go from 6th to 17th, that has to be the worst one ever, and on his on field half time talk phil Brown 's quote was fantastic. I thought it was nice and cold, and I thought I would keep the boys alive because they looked as if they were dead. You know what that does not work nowadays. Gone are those
0: managers, and all the managers yeah, and all the managers that we talk about that would have pulled off these sorts of tactics at one time they're still trying to manage that way and they're not having success anymore. And I'll give you an example, Ian Holloway. I was there at Millwall when he locked in the players for about an hour and a half after one of the games. Did they turn around their fortunes? Did they heck? He ended up getting sacked and moving on. And this is something that we see time and time again because players nowadays are delicate flowers. And you can't, you can't just show them out to the world and make them stay outside or make them run on a motorway. We've had lots of different chats over the course of doing the podcast over the last few years of managers trying to basically either
2: embarrass them into performing better or give them a reality check doesn't work. I think you have to have a bit of carrot and stick, don't you? Because Antonio Conte was really famous at Juventus for having his cup-throwing escapades, particularly at half-time. I think it's in Andrea Pirlo's autobiography where he turns around and said, uh, it got to a point where I knew I had to move my space in the dressing room because it was behind the door and I knew that whenever he came in and opened the door, he would basically throw a cup behind it. So I ducked every time he (laughs) came in. But of course, Conte was an incredibly successful manager with Juve. Three consecutive titles went on to be the Italy manager. Mm -hmm. So there must be another trade-off. There has to be the fact that you can also have a good Rant at players, but you give them something back in return, which is a sense of faith. Just got a text
1: through, by the way, uh, Lindsay. Ian Holloway's cancelled his guest spot on next week's show. <laughs> Let's talk Sepp Blatter, as only I love to. Um, His victory speech, his bizarre victory speech after winning his next round at the FIFA elections last May. Of course, that's all come to um, a very sticky, unfortunate end. Or should we say fortunate, who knows? But his speech has to be one of the weirdest ways of pepping up the whole of FIFA that you could possibly get. He called FIFA a boat. Um, He said, we need in this committee women. We need ladies. Okay, We won't touch the World Cup. I am a faithful man. God, Allah, whoever they will help us bring back this FIFA. So basically during this speech, he calls on God and Allah to help bring FIFA back to where it should be. That's when you know that you've kind of given up everything else, when you're praying to the high heavens that someone can spiritually intervene in your corrupt organisation. He then said, at the end of my four-year time, I will give FIFA to my successor. That wasn't a great prediction, was it? It will be robust. He then finished his speech with the famous, let's go FIFA. You know, when he shook his hand, let's go FIFA. Not wise words from Sepp Blatter.
0: What people need to realise... We've got complicated managers as well nowadays in modern football. Some of them very successful. I have to say Pochettino, I suppose. He's one for stats and the the figures, doing very well under it as well. Um, Andre Villas-Boas, I think I laid into him once before on the podcast for having his charts and doing too much writing down. Because that's... The fan in me and the love of football thinks that actually it's fairly simple. And I'm from the school of Johan Cruyff. I don't think you can go far wrong with some of his quotes. And you'll love it because they're just... Say it as it is. Very done. Soccer is simple, but it is difficult to play simple. And this one, which is just brilliant. To win, you have to score one more goal than your opponent. (laughs) That's the Bobby Robson guide to quotes. Fantastic. But if you remember those very simple rules, you can't go far wrong. Arsene Wenger, he had a good one. If you do not believe you can do it, then you have no chance at all. And considering that he's saying a lot of this is going to come down to psychology for this season, an interesting quote that he made some time ago. I'm sure he's thinking that will rear its head again at some point this season. And Bill Shankly, aim for the sky and you'll reach the ceiling. Aim for the ceiling and you'll stay on the floor.
2: Oh, Oh, gosh, there's some big motivational chat. I think if you're going to go for managers, particularly those managers who know how to give the carrot and the stick, the ultimate manager, the Uber manager, has to be Sir Alex Ferguson. And I'm going to talk about Sir Alex Ferguson, not in the context of football, but in the context of golf. Just before the 2014 Ryder Cup, the European captain, Paul McGinley, invited Sir Alex Ferguson to Glen Eagles to give an inspirational speech. And of course, who happened to be watching him but Rory McElroy, the biggest Manchester United fan there could be? And he said, I sat in front of Sir Alex glued to him, couldn't take my eyes off him, absolutely mesmerised by this man, just talking about big matches, big games, how he approached them, what he did. He said he was a total inspiration. Europe won the Ryder Cup for the third consecutive time and Rory McIlroy will still say that that inspiring speech, Sir Alex Ferguson, the man, the Uber manager, that crosses all denominations, all sports, all particular religions, as you were referring to them earlier, with his brand of inspiration still is the way to win. Thank you very much,
1: ladies. That concludes this week's podcast. Don't forget you can check us out on Audio Boom and on iTunes. Uh, find us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and give us a follow. Or well, We're also on Facebook, The Offside Rule, and you can check out our website as well. Brand new pieces of content, several of them every single day, offsiderulepodcast.com. Time for me to thank the very inspirational, very motivational KP. Thank you very much, Kate Partridge, for all your pearls of wisdom. Thank you very much, ladies. Always a pleasure. And Lindsay Hooper as well. I'll see you next week. Yes, can't get rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) Bye for now. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tires. Sports Social Podcast Network.